This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is July 17th and Atlanta United has defeated Houston 5 to nothing here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. The goals were scored by Darlington Nagby, his first in a season plus with Atlanta United. Brandon Vasquez in the 29th minute, his second goal in the league this season. Joseph Martinez with two more, which now means he has scored against every team in Major League Soccer. And then Julian Gressel rounded it out in the 88th minute. The game uh, was affected by a red card against Albert Felice in the sixth minute. And to talk a little bit more about that, I have, as usual, when he's not being fancy flying charters, Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net at 92.9 FM. And it looks like he's wearing a new Kangol. Well, I've worn it a couple games before. Um, and it's fairly new. It was a whiteout. I almost went with the white Kangol, but I thought that might have been overdoing it. <laughs> So, uh, for some reason, there seems to be a lot of confusion about the red card to Elise. I thought it was pretty clear. The yellow card came for his descent action by kicking the ball after he fouled Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. And then he came up and bumped chess with referee Chris Penso. Uh, it seemed to me a pretty easy decision. Early in a match, I think there's a, usually a little bit of a different conversation. And I also think Penso was walking into Elise, which made it a little more complicated. By the book, it's a red. I mean, by the book, you give the red there. there there's nothing you're going to rescind. It's not going to be appealed and, and overturned. There, there's none of that. I think you could have gotten away with just giving a yellow there. My question to you, I actually sent you a text about it because at least kick the ball in the direction of the AR. It wasn't just kicking the ball away to delay the restart. He did kick the ball in the direction of the AR. And part of that was his frustration from the play right before it, where Darlington Nagby nearly scored an own goal as he's deflecting across. It goes off of, I believe it was Elise. It might have been... It wasn't Elise. Who was it then? It It was was, uh, uh, somebody sliding in, uh, Garcia. Or not Garcia, um, Martinez. Yes, sliding. It in. was Martinez sliding in, and you saw the replay, and it did go off of Martinez. It was initially given as a corner, and then the referee Penzo and the AR discussed it, and they gave the goal kick. At least was running hot then, because he argued it. He was in Penzo's face. Then the foul happens. It's a soft foul against Leandro Gonzalez Perez. He knows that Elise is running hot. 
he goes down easily, gets the call, and at least kind of loses his head, kicks the ball in the direction of the AR. I wondered if that might have triggered it. Penso's initial reaction and everything was a, a little off. It's a it, it's a shame in some ways because we don't know what this match could have turned into. There's a there's still plenty to talk about, but it, it's it's a situation that at least can't put himself in, especially right. on a night where Houston doesn't start their full complement of attacking pieces, which baffles me. Yeah, to no end. Yep. When this lineup came out, I was stunned. Yeah, you're going up against a back line that you know is going to be piecemeal. You know they're going to have to take some chances on who you're going to play in the back. Ultimately, it's Deion Pereira playing as a left wing back. If you start your normal 11 and Albert Ellis is on the right side running up against Deion Pereira all night, you'd think that's a matchup Houston would like. But <laughs> You would think. They didn't start that lineup, and they didn't completely rest everybody either. It's like a 50-50 yeah. lineup that never works. Yeah, then he brought, he, he brought on Kyoto, and he brought on Minotis uh, later in the game, and it was like, Why what then? are you doing? Yeah. He brought in but this uh, is... Cabezas and Kyoto at halftime. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to bring on Cabezas, bring him in yeah. after the red and solidify everything. Yeah. You don't do that. Then you bring on Minotis at the end when it's 3-0. Why? This is why Houston doesn't win on the road, uh, these decisions. Uh, but anyway, even before the red card, Atlanta United was showing some really good signs of life, some things that it hadn't shown consistently since the international break. It started with Brandon Vasquez pressuring uh, a Houston player. I think it was Figueroa, or might have been uh, Saren, creating a, a turnover. Joseph Martinez gets in and, and just pounds a shot right into uh, Tyler Derrick's stomach. Um, but you kind of got a feeling, okay, this is going to be good. Then Julian Gressel kept getting wide, then the red card, and then it was really, I think, going to be a matter of time. However... You also do have to go back and look. Houston had two really good chances in that first six minutes as well. One was the near own goal. Right. Another was from Ellie's. It was a wide open, crazy first six minutes that who knows where it would have went. And, but then Atlanta United was off to the races, particularly after Nagby's goal. It was good play by Heinemann, who continued a, a switch of the field uh, over to Gressel on the right. Gressel had been putting in a lot of aerial crosses uh, that weren't very successful. Uh, this one, he saw Nagby making a run and picked out a simple pass along the ground right to the penalty spot for Nagby to one time. Got his goal. Uh, Vasquez's goal came off some really good work by Dion Pereira. Spun around his guy, got to the end line, put in a cross that went through the legs of a Houston defender and took a deflection. Joseph Martinez had made a run to the near post and pulled all those defenders. Vasquez was standing there wide open, and the ball came right to him, headed it in. But you forgot the best part of that sequence. <laughs> what was the, the best part? The ball from Leandro Gonzalez Perez. Oh, you're right, yeah. The chip over the top. It, it's the, the best play that will not go down in anything because there's no assist for it. Two other guys got touches on it. But that play, that's the creativity you need when a team starts to sit back and defend. And it, it's an unbelievable it, idea from LGP. And really, it's a pass that he has struggled with the past few games. He's tried to hit long diagonals and chip passes, and he's just been overhit most of them for the past few games. He had his passing boots back on tonight, so that was a good sign for Atlanta United supporters. Uh, the third goal, uh, Joseph Martinez from Julian Gressel. It was a beautiful chip pass from Julian, perfectly weighted, uh, far, 
too far for the center back who was running with Martinez to get to. Martinez simply headed it back across the goal. The last goal... Took a heavy collision with Tyler Derrick. Yeah, too. the last goal was a pass from Eric Ormetti in which Julian spun around Derrick, got away from Garcia, spun around Derrick, which caused Garcia and Derrick to collide, and then had an open goal. Uh, it, it was comical. You've got to watch the highlights. It reminded me in some ways of the goal in Orlando to set the record yeah. where, where Joseph just uses the little hesitation, puts the goalkeeper like sitting down. But this one was even more comical because Garcia then trips over the goalkeeper right. sitting down, and it's just chaos. Right. Benny Hill music. Yeah, and then the last one, uh, Martina Joseph played a pass across the box, took a deflection, came right to Gressel, who made probably a 30 to 40 yard sprint to get down to the penalty box. And Gressel just slammed a right footed shot into the corner. It was a typical Gressel goal. That's where he scores a lot of his goals. Same type of shot, same type of spot. This was his 100th appearance across all competitions for Atlanta United. He's the first in the 2017 Super Draft class to do that. Uh, so that was quite a nice night for him, a goal and two assists. First Atlanta United player to hit 100 matches as well. Yep, yep. Uh, just a, a good night for Gressel overall. I have always liked the three-five-two with Atlanta United's personnel. I thought it would be the formation they would start the season with, particularly after Escobar went down. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that it took until now for them to bring it out. I'm curious if they're going to keep doing it because – Gressel was able to really stay wide, which is something that Pity, if he were the right wing, I don't think he'd be the no, right he'd wing never back. Be the right wing back. But hasn't had the instincts to do, even when he's supposed to have been the wide midfielder in a, in a 4-3-3. Uh, Dion Pereira looked really, really good tonight. Mm-hmm. Justin Miram would probably have the same type of influence. I don't know if he could make some of the runs that Pereira made tonight, uh, but he also is good at staying wide. Um, and making combo passes. The problem, though, is defensively. And that's the issue right. you're going to have with either one of them because they're not wingbacks. And, and can they defend if they're put under that pressure? That's where, if you had George Bello, and it sounds like he's getting closer, we'll see when that happens. If you had Breck Shea, who's played as a wingback. If you had Mikey Ambrose as a wingback. I think all of them can do the defensive side of it. With Pereira and Merrim, you don't know because you haven't seen it yet. Right. Uh, but that's when you get a little bit of help from Hyman, a little bit of help from Rometty, a little bit of help from Nagby, and it kind of makes it all work. Yeah, today's a tough one tactically. And really we're going to I forgot about we're Right. It's a tough one tactically because Houston, once they got the red, there's not much they can do to attack what could be soft spots for Atlanta. So we don't really know. Right. The, the question about the, the formation and the shape and how it looks going forward is what do you do when you do get Bello and Barco and Vialba back and how does this look? Because that's where it gets complicated about getting everyone into the team. I mean, tonight you didn't see Rometty, Merrim, Pitti start. You add Bello, Barco, Vialba to that mix – it's going to be tough not just to, to get into the 11. It's going to be tough to get into the 18 when everyone's healthy. Uh, we saw Viava tonight. He was in the locker room. That's a good sign. Um, it, it is going to be a, it's a nice problem for Frank it's to have. It's a great problem to have. Um, and I think a lot will just depend upon matchups. Yeah. I, I did think that Atlanta United moved the ball so, so well tonight. I know it was against 10 men. But even against 10 men, they were still bunkering. So with one man up top, it was almost like you're playing a, a normal team. 
Um, but Atlanta United moved the ball, I thought, so much quicker and so much better than they have in previous games. I don't know if it's because of the personnel on the field. I don't know if it's because of the formation. But nobody got on the ball and just kind of sat on it, um, which is, you know, that's something that Barco and Pitty both kind of do when they get the ball. Is they'll sit on it or they'll dribble across and take up time and get into other players' space. So, and remember, Barco didn't start the 3-5-2 last year in the playoffs. He was coming off the right. bench at that point. So, I don't know. We'll see yeah, what It's going to be really hard to keep Ezekiel Barco off the field. Oh, I agree. I, I totally agree. But, and I, I think that he and Pitty can do the one-two passing and the stuff like Atlanta and I was doing tonight, if that's what's needed. And Pitty did it tonight. Yeah, he did. He, he came on in, in, uh, in the, I forgot what minute, um, but played well. Uh, Vasquez, I thought, had a really solid night. Vasquez's movement off the ball was um, excellent. And his hold-up play, I mean, Houston defenders will come up and try to tackle him. And it was, it was really, there was one play in particular, two Houston defenders came up and tried to tackle him, and they literally both bounced off mm-hmm. of him, and he put the pass out to Gressel wide. Uh, it was just a really nice play. He's, I, I think if he can continue to get minutes, he's going to develop into a really quality player in Major League Soccer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's why I always thought it was odd that Tata Martino didn't really give him much of a look as a number nine. Uh, I think that's his best spot on the field because there you do get the elements where he can drift out wide, and, and you like to see that. But out wide, he's a little more limited in his effect. When he's the nine, he can be that target man, but he can also drift out and create space. And I thought what he did well and something that we've never really seen – when the second forward, when they have had two up top, when it's been... Miguel Almiron was a completely different version. Oh, yeah. Miguel, it was honestly more of a 3-6-1 than a 3-5-2. When you saw Tito Vialba paired with Joseph, when you saw Romario Williams paired with Joseph late in a game or, or whatever, they never really combined effectively. Vasquez was looking to make the different runs than Joseph. One time they right. made the same run. But in general, he was really trying to do different things. I, I thought his movement off the ball was what stood out to me. Yeah, he, he didn't get in Joseph's way. No, um, just one time they did, right. did the same thing. And going back to my point about Pity and Barco in the three five two, Viaba kind of has the same thing too. When he gets the ball, he tends to sit on it, and he, he starts dribbling a lot, and it the formation doesn't work as well when players start doing that. Um, but again, he's a pro, and, and he can make those passes and, and – the one-twos and get into the space, and off he goes because Lord knows he's fast enough. Um, I thought Heinemann had a solid game in his first Major League yeah, Soccer start. Uh, I thought uh, Mo Adams, who still has yet to train, who got in at 11.30 last night, uh, came in. He said DeBoer told him, just go have fun. Yeah. So he went in and had fun. Um, hey, he man. said he's comfortable playing fullback. He played it quite a bit in England uh, before he came to Syracuse. That's good to know. Um, so I'll have a little – piece on him whenever I get home to Carrollton and start writing tonight. I thought one of the funnier things was after Joseph's second goal and Adams was on the field, Adams like came up and he, he looked like he was almost a little timid to join in the celebration <laughs> because I don't know if he knows everybody's names yet, but uh, Joseph like grabbed him and hugged him and it was, it was very funny. The look on Joseph's face was very funny. I did have to ask uh, Adams, how in the world did Chicago beat this team 5-1? to one? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he said the early penalty in red obviously helped. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, I thought uh, Jeff. You know he hasn't played in solid. the past couple of games. Solid. Parker, uh, solid. Miles had like a rodeo pulling a steer down type tackle. He didn't. He said he didn't touch the guy. Well, I asked him in the locker room. 
No penalty was called. Well. But it was it was probably not textbook form. <laughs> no. But it worked. <laughs> Uh, he, he didn't touch the ball. I don't know how much <laughs> of the man he touched. Uh, I'm shocked that didn't get looked at. Uh, but anyway, it, it was a pretty funny tackle. Um, one player who I thought was a little fortunate tonight was Brad Guzan. Um, that first play that led to Elise getting mad, Brad missed the cross. He came yeah. out for it and missed it. He got beat to the near post. Late in the game, from a tight angle, the shot hit the post and skidded all the way across. Yeah, he knew And then I one. think went out for a goal kick because of the spin on it or something. I can't remember. It, yeah, that's right. Um, but those are two moments that th- – those are the kind of moments that in the past few games the ball has gone in. Right. Um, and so the, those are things that have to be cleaned up a little bit. Um, really, that's it. This was, to me, the best possible – Result uh, for Atlanta United and the best possible a way to play. They didn't have to spend a lot of energy. They got the confidence up. They got a shutout. They've got a, a struggling DC United team coming on Sunday. Uh, depending upon what happens in DC's game tomorrow, Atlanta United could be in second place and really kind of put DC down a little bit. Red Bulls lost tonight. Uh, Romario Williams scored for Columbus to uh, salvage a point against Chicago. Uh, he was, of course, traded last week. Um, so anyway, it was, it was everything went well for Atlanta United tonight, and it was one of those nights that they haven't had in quite a while. Yeah, it was one I think you needed. You needed it for the feeling of it. You needed it for the lack of, of real hard work you had to put in tonight on a, on a two-match two week. You kind of need a game like this. So you got goals. You got a good vibe going. Fans are happy. I think it's a good night all the way around. You you were fortunate. I think the soccer gods looked kindly upon you, and they have not done that in a while. So you take what you can, you get this, and now at the end of the weekend, if things fall your way, you could be leading the Eastern Conference. It's crazy. That is true. Jason, what do you have upcoming? Tomorrow, overreaction Thursday. It'll be a different kind of overreaction Thursday, but I think there's still going to be overreactions on it because. Oh uh, yeah, there'll happens. be there'll be big overcorrections. Yeah, it's okay. That's what happens. That's what we do. Um, overreaction Thursday. You can listen to it on the Soccer Down Here app. You can download that in the App Store, Android or iOS. You can also listen at SoccerDownHere.net or Spreaker, and we'll have a show on Friday as well. Weekend, we'll have a tailgate show from the Gulch with our friends with the faction. It's a busy week coming up because after DC, there's a uh, big one looming out west. Uh, Cal State? Who are they yeah, playing? Yeah, no, team out there. They wear black. Right. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium, by the way, Bank of California. Looking forward. One, to it. one more note for you tonight: um, Atlanta United only had five players on its bench. Uh, Andrew Carlton, according to Frank DeBoer, picked up a small injury in training on Tuesday. Uh, but Frank said, even if he hadn't, there were already, I think, two players with similar skills ahead of him on the bench. I probably wouldn't have put him on the bench anyway. Um, there's no point in having him dress out if he's not going to play. So there's that. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Please click on the stories uh, and, and read the stories. There's an example today, I posted the story on the trade for Mo Adams. It had in the lead what Atlanta United had to trade. Very first question on Atlanta United News Now was from a reader. What did Atlanta have to trade for Adams? <laughs> 
And I said, I said, it's in the lead. I didn't see it. So please, you know, we don't make money if you don't click on the link. And if we don't make money, I won't get to travel with the team. Uh, I was the only unaffiliated media in Seattle, for example. All the questions that everybody else used came from me. Um, I'm fortunate. I, I, I'm fortunate that my paper believes in covering this team. Um, I'm fortunate that Atlanta United works to, to help me uh, with access after after games. I know MLS requires it, but Atlanta United does go out of its way. So please click on the links. Um, again, Atlanta United defeats Houston five to nothing. Atlanta United reaches ten wins. Uh, it is in second in the East. It trails Philadelphia by three points, I think, but has a game in hand. Uh, and this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show's Streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.